Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. And today we got a big show for you. Democracy is on the brink. Have you heard? Well, Eric Swalwell said so on MSNBC, and he was quite casual about it, which makes me think that maybe it's not actually on the brink, but who knows? We get into that uh, on just a day before the January 6th anniversary and commemoration and whatever it is that the establishment media will inflict upon us all. One major problem, though, that is real, it's happening in the United States, is a Soros-backed DA has guaranteed a massive new crime wave in New York City. And I explain exactly why that's going to happen. Well, uh, in particular, it's because he doesn't want to put anyone in prison, it seems, other than murderers. So if you're not a murderer, you're probably going to get off. Uh, for whatever crime you're committing in New York City, which is a big deal and uh, pretty frightening. Those of you who thought the post-de Blasio era in New York was going to be significantly different than the de Blasio era are uh, sadly mistaken thus far. Uh, We touch on this also with A.W.R. Hawkins, who's our guest today on the podcast. He is our Second Amendment reporter at Breitbart News and I think the best gun rights reporter in the country who's been tasked lately with covering the massive crime waves happening throughout basically it seems like every major city across the country. And he goes into some of these solutions that are being proposed. And in Chicago, for example, there is a massive campaign for whistles. So you will literally blow the whistle on people who are attacking you, armed robbery, et cetera. And I'll tell you, I've gotten so cynical that I actually suggest that maybe this isn't the worst idea because I'm so down on all the Democrat politicians in all these cities to actually propose reasonable solutions. I think, well, maybe I throw my hands up and say, you know what, the whistle is maybe not so bad. Uh, Kamala Harris is phoning it even more than usual, touting the success via Twitter of the Biden infrastructure bill, even though Americans were literally stuck in their cars for a day in Virginia as uh, highways were backed up. So uh, not looking so good for the Biden infrastructure, but still Kamala Harris tweets that it's doing great. So maybe it is. Plus, Build Back Better is deader than ever, despite the media's insistence. All that to come on the broadcast, plus, of course, my interview with Dr. Hawkins and our call of the day. I will throw in a plug for the live show on SiriusXM. Patriot, three hours a day, starts at 6 a.m. Eastern time, and the full show is on the SXM app if you want to catch up on it, if you miss parts of the show. We did have a lot of guests, and they were great guests. We had Frank Afney from the Center for Security Policy, and we had Sherry Walker, who's a commercial airline pilot who is working diligently and effectively to push back against vaccine mandates, and Ryan Zinke, the former Secretary of the Interior, former Navy SEAL, and all-around super interesting American who's running for Congress in Montana. All that was on a live show today and uh, sadly not featured on the podcast. So there's more to Breitbart News Daily than just the podcast. So uh, all that is available for you on the SXM app. We're just tuning in live uh, tomorrow for more good stuff like that. All that to come on the show today, but first, everything is getting more expensive. We're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years, and inflation is certainly here to stay. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its refall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how. It can help you hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. And they have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now, 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660 or text ALEX to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660 or text ALEX to 65532 for American Hartford Gold. Let's get into the news. I will start today with a, another plug for some of our coverage at Breitbart.com of the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos coverage that we've had, led by Rebecca Mansour and others have dove in on the uh, live show yesterday in the SXM app that you can get. 
and in the monologue uh, wherever you get your Breitbart News Daily yesterday, I broke down all the details of uh, who is uh, accountable for this massive hoax on the public. Uh, those of you who missed anything in yesterday's show, Elizabeth Holmes was a uh, tech um, Wunderkind CEO who had manipulated the public at a massive level selling this blood lab test that would have been revolutionary if it were real and effective, but it wasn't. Yet that didn't stop her from raising billions of dollars, growing her wealth and uh, clout in a massive way where she was worth billions of dollars and she uh, hoodwinked pretty much the whole country, but especially the establishment, the establishment media, which kept giving her cover stories and people like Joe Biden and Barack Obama and others. And the establishment media has completely given Biden a pass for it, even though Biden did at least one massive massive event with her saying that her laboratory is the future and praised her amazing invention and uh, none of it was real. So Biden got uh, rolled and now he's president and it just reminds you of how the establishment media coddles itself and does not hold itself accountable. Another perfect example of that is what's going on over on CNN because if you turn tune into CNN, you might notice something absent from their coverage of the coronavirus, the Omicron variant, which is spreading very rapidly throughout the United States and the rest of the world. You might not notice uh, a ticker showing how many deaths and how many cases we have, in particular cases, because CNN loved to talk about cases when Donald Trump was president. Not so much now. Um, cases as of January the 3rd in the United States are over 1 million new cases which is an insane number. I mean, a lot of this is because tests are pretty ubiquitous, but I know people who think they've got it and won't get tested, which I don't recommend. I think if you do think you have it, you should try to get a test of some kind. And the death rate right now is roughly what it was a year ago, and it's actually slightly dropping relative to a week or so ago. Um, but the cases are huge right now because Omicron is spreading incredibly rapidly. And it is not particularly uh, severe relative to previous variants. And a lot of people are vaccinated. And I know you guys hate to hear it, but by and large, the people who are getting severely ill are the unvaccinated. Uh, there's a, a, every single place where data is being compiled. Left, right, or center has drawn that conclusion. I know many of you don't like to hear it. And sometimes you tune into talk radio, I guess, these days to hear what you want to hear, not what is actually going on. But that is what's going on. So, um, but the caseload is just insane, truly insane. I never thought we'd get to a million cases a day. Um, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand was a, a huge number already, and now we're at a million, which is a record, which is suggesting that maybe we're all going to get this one. And this was a thought that I think some smart, savvy doctors who are less political probably had super early on during the pandemic. Um, and now maybe this is perhaps the variant that does it. We are, if we're at a million a day, I mean, who's to, how can you slow that down? So um, it is a remarkable thing considering the media is starting to play it a little cool on the caseload. Some places are covering it at the same level, but almost nowhere are they covering this with the same level of fervor and hysteria as they would have if it was a million cases a day and Donald Trump was president. They use the cases to create this sort of fear porn to blame Trump for the whole pandemic early on in the virus. And now that Joe Biden has been president for almost an entire year and we're still at a million cases, um, and we're at a record level, not even still, we're literally at a record level, then the ticker over at CNN is not on. They don't have it up. Why don't they have it up? We kept hearing about cases and cases and cases and cases and cases, and now we don't. Another reminder of how horrific the salespeople have been for the vaccines, to reiterate my point for the 7,000th time, I think overall, um, most people who are adults, though I do not see overwhelming evidence that this applies to children, and they're making a big effort to, make, to get children vaccinated, um, but I think overall the vaccines have had a miraculous effect in reducing symptoms for people who have got it, who are adults. Um, 
even though that's the case, they were sold to us that they were going to stop the virus completely. Well, how's, uh, how's that going? Because we're now at a million cases. And I have not seen a big effort by the CEOs and the spokespeople for the companies that provide the vaccines to clarify that point, which I think is going to have a lasting impact. I think it's going to create a lot of skepticism of these companies for years and years to come, that there has not been a robust effort to make clear the vaccines are not at all stopping the virus, not at all, but they are reducing symptoms. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get why the people over at Pfizer and Moderna, et cetera, are not uh, trying to do everything they can to get behind microphones and in front of cameras to explain that point. But they're not doing it. I don't get it. I know why the establishment media and the public health class is not rushing to clarify this point because that emits, uh, that means they have to admit fault which is difficult to do. It's very difficult for the friendly fascist the NIH, Francis Collins. Uh, for Dr. Tony Fauci. Um, uh, I have to say that I am having a good time with Tony Fauci because he's the villain of all my stories to Master Marlow. Master Marlow's got a creative brain. He's got one of those brains where he loves hearing stories. And he, whenever I tell him a story, uh, the bad guy's always Dr. Fauci, always, every time. I always figure out a way. I mean, one of the modern day monsters, a guy who comes in on camera and he talks like this and he's so avuncular. Oh, he's just like the cute little trolley uncle or grandpa. And everything he's selling you is just a load of crap and has been from the start. I called for him to be fired in May, not say he's listening to my opinion. May of 2020. We're in January 2022 now. Or is Joe Biden would say 2020. He likes to say his uh, numbers in a funky way. Give them fake authority. So... Uh, Biden's going to meet with his coronavirus team. I'm sure he's going to learn a lot about cases. He'll probably learn deaths are going down slightly and that everyone is not really helping who is in the public health establishment and getting this virus under control. He said at least on 11 occasions he's going to shut down the virus. How's that going, Mr. One Million Cases? Speaking of uh, media, Ben Smith, who is the New York Times media columnist, is now going to leave the New York Times and start a new media endeavor. I I mention this because Ben Smith is one of the people I featured in my book, Breaking the News. Ben Smith covered the media for the New York Times for the last couple of years as their columnist. He left BuzzFeed, and he promised he would divest his shares from BuzzFeed because he had stock because he's covering... Uh, the media, and he's got stock in a major media platform. And BuzzFeed, of course, has ownership stake from places like NBC, which is NBC, Comcast, Universal. You see the cabal that our establishment media is. They're all, it's, it is nothing but not incestuous. It's all the same people covering the same stuff and covering each other. So he said that he would uh, agree with the New York Times that he would divest his shares in BuzzFeed. The problem is that BuzzFeed is about to go public. And when BuzzFeed goes public, even uh, if it's uh, IPO disappoints, still going to make a lot of money for Ben Smith, who's a lot of shares. Uh, ben Smith didn't want to sell his shares before it goes public. And he got away with not doing it. So now he's going to leave the New York Times. He's going to start a new thing with the Bloomberg guy, a guy who was also connected, I think, to... Um, one of Loreen Powell Jobs' outlets, I think it was The Atlantic. So also villains of the book. So, so, so all my supervillains coming together. Bloomberg, Loreen Powell Jobs, Ben Smith, New York Times. All of them working together to start new endeavors. And uh, Ben Smith just lied about it. He just said, well, I was going to sell my BuzzFeed stocks. And they never did. Did two years of covering the media while being an a investor, essentially, in a major media outlet that had investment from other major media outlets. We're supposed to uh, trust his take. All right. All right, so here's some good coronavirus news. U.S. Navy SEALs versus Biden ruling. Military vaccine mandates are illegal. Paul Bois wrote this for us at Breitbart News. Federal judge granted temporary injunction against President Big Joey Biden's federal vax mandate for Navy SEALs on the basis of religious freedom. I'll run this by um, Ryan Zinke, who uh, will be on in a little bit. 
It was filed in November by the First Liberty Institute on behalf of 35 Navy SEALs and three reservists. The lawsuit sought a religious exemption from the Biden administration's Department of Defense vaccine mandate as thousands of U.S. military members face possible discharge for not complying. In the decision, Judge Reed O'Connor, U.S. District Court Judge for a Northern District of Texas, ruled the coronavirus pandemic provides the government no license to abrogate the First Amendment rights of American ser- America's servicemen and women. Our nation asks men and women, he said, in our military to serve, suffer, and sacrifice, but we do not ask them to lay aside their citizenry and give up their very rights they have sworn to protect. Nice. Um, good stuff. Glad to see when judges stand up for common sense. Increasingly rare, and I don't see why uh, people who can claim successfully religious exemptions other vaccines can't claim one for this one. Okay, heavy snow in Virginia stranded hundreds of drivers in the I-95 in freezing temperatures. It's been a particularly cold winter, and I'm curious to see if this continues, how this will affect the global warming crowd, uh, because it probably won't affect them at all. Um, You might recall years ago, Rachel Maddow explained that global warming is extreme weather of all kinds. Direct quote, extreme weather of all kinds. That's global warming. So when you see a particularly cold winter, I know I've got a lot of family out in Los Angeles. They've said it's been uh, the coldest they can ever remember. A lot of people have uh, been saying this in various corners of the country. uh, Snowing in Florida, which almost never happens. Snowing in Florida. How many of you think of Florida's? I mean, because it's not mountainous. It's not like a place like California where you lease the mountains some places. It's pretty flat. You got snow there. So I mentioned this, though, that heavy snow stranding drivers in the I-95 because Senator Tim Kaine um, said that he was stuck for 21 hours. Wendell Husabo wrote about this for us at Breitbart News, saying the Virginia senator said on Tuesday that he'd been stranded for 21 hours due to treacherous snowstorms that wreaked havoc in the region. I started my normal two-hour drive to D.C. at 1 p.m. yesterday. Kane tweeted around 8.30 a.m. 19 hours later, I'm still not near the Capitol. My office is in touch with the, uh, v, uh, with the Virginia Department of Transportation to see how we can help other Virginians in the situation. Not great. Not great in terms of a sign that we have a functional government. Also not great for you know the global warming crowd, but they're, they're totally protected by the press. Um, if you want a little behind-the-curtain insight at Breitbart News, of all the things we have fact-checked on, the, anything covering climate change and the wild overselling of uh, climate change, any coverage of that is immediately attacked by the Soros-funded, Mark Zuckerberg-funded censorious crowd. So they want to censor all the climate change stuff possible. So, but I mention this mostly because I know for most of you who don't have to drive through, you know, uh, Virginia into D.C., uh, you probably have had roads that have worked for the most part. But I mention this in particular because the Vice President of the United States, Camelia Harris, claimed that, quote, America is moving. That's a direct quote. Drivers stranded on one of the major highways in the country for uh, almost a day. And she says, because the bipartisan infrastructure law, America is moving again. That's what infrastructure is all about, getting people moving. Uh, the, The tone deafness of her messaging to the public, it's almost as though there's someone trying to sabotage her in her own ranks which shouldn't be shocking because everything we hear about her office is that it's very unpopular. She, people don't like working for her. They don't like working with her. Again, I have very limited sourcing inside of Kamala Harris world, but everything that's publicly reported suggests that it's not great to work with Camelia and her um, staff. Massive uh, turnover rate. But how do you tweet that America is moving again in the middle of a situation where you've got even a Democrat United States senator admitting he'd been on the road for a day trying to get through a massive traffic jam due to a snowstorm? All right. 
in terms of goofball Democrats, no one surpasses Eric Fang Fang Swalwell, who warned that 2022 could be the last election. Voting as we know it in this country could be gone. He's useful because he shows you the extreme nature of where a left-wing mind can go if it is unchecked, and he continues to get microphones. He's told he's a important voice, particularly from MSNBC, Comcast Universal. We got, a, uh, we got some audio of this. Let's play cut 11, please. Producer Haley, go ahead. I'm worried that if Republicans uh, win in the midterm elections, uh, that voting as we know it in this country uh, will be gone. They're already putting as many barriers to the ballot box as possible in Arizona, Florida, Texas, Georgia. And on the other side of the finish line, they're putting in place processes where they could reverse the outcome, even if we crawl through glass and run through the fire to get to the ballot box. And so uh, if they are able to win the House, uh, the damage they could do uh, you know, to permanently uh, make it difficult to vote and, and just alter the way that we participate in a democratic process uh, could be irreversible. And, and so uh, this may not be, as I, as I said, uh, this is not only the most important election. Uh, if we don't get it right, it could be the last election because they're also putting in place what I believe uh, is a way to make sure that Donald Trump wins uh, with what they're doing across state legislatures uh, to allow them to reverse the outcome in the electoral college. Do you believe that this could be the last election? I'll tell you, I think that conservatives and Donald Trump and Republicans got rolled in 2020, but I don't believe it was the last election. I believe there will be many more elections, believe it or not. But this is what you're hearing if you tune in MSNBC, and he says it so casually. If it was really going to be the last election, I don't get that why he's so muted emotionally about it. Yeah, this will be the last election. If we let the people, you know, who are in charge of Texas and Georgia, if we let them in charge and they're just, you know, they don't want anyone to vote pretty much. So the election could be over. And those of you who think that I shouldn't be out there because I probably slept with a Chinese spy, I, I mean, you're nuts. I'm a really good guy. So that's basically the Swalwellification of MSNBC. That's what that's what it is. I just a let that hang in the air for a minute. That that's what's happening over at MSNBC. We got a United States congressman who got away with sleeping with a Chinese spy in all likelihood, and he's out there, and he's saying that the elections could be over because why? Because people want voter IDs and they don't want dead people voting, and they don't want it to be super easy to cheat. So there's a fair bit of talk yesterday and the day before about how Build Back Better might come back. And um, there was the media had been floated in the media that people are still working Joe Manchin and maybe he's open minded. Um, and he is, as far as I can tell, not open minded. So he came out and flat out said, Bill Back Better is deader than ever. So Bill Back Deader was our headline at Breitbart.com. Uh, Joe Manchin is in a state that is driven economically largely by coal. Why would he want a Green New Deal multi-trillion dollar thing that hurts the coal industry and amplifies the green stuff? It's illogical for him to do that. So until they redo the bill so that the bill bill isn't essentially the Green New Deal by another name, he's not going to support it. So I don't know why the Democrats keep going back to this well. It's, he's a coal guy. He's in a coal state. You need his vote or else it's not going to pass. You got to come up with something else. Yet they keep doing it. But we delight in it at Breitbart. This is, you know, 5,000 comments, Breitbart.com. So uh, we love it. Good. I'm happy about it. But it is, it's not going to happen. And I just don't know how many times this needs to be explained to the left. If they just tune into a show like this or others in conservative talk radio, I mean, it's a you can hear the answer to this question. Why doesn't Joe Manchin want it? He's a Democrat. Well, he's in a coal state. He doesn't want the Green New Deal. You guys are obsessed with the Green New Deal. So you keep seeing that he's a Democrat and you're confusing who he represents with what his political party is. You think he represents, um, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. He doesn't. He represents the state, the state of West by God, Virginia a state that has a lot of coal industry jobs 
Uh, and uh, last I checked, Americans weren't doing that great right now. So he's not looking to um, lead to a bunch of firings for a bunch of his own citizens and constituents. Uh, other economic news that's essential. Manufacturing activity slumped to an 11-month low in December. Just to let you know, the Biden has no idea how to handle the economy, unless, of course, his intention is to make things more difficult for Americans. So uh, as an excuse to usurp more power. So just a, interesting to keep an eye on that one. Um, slightly unrelated, but a big story that has, I think, gotten a lot of attention across the media, which I'm pleased by, is a Manhattan DA named Alvin Bragg says no incarceration ex- except for homicide and a few other cases. He basically wants a massive jailbreak in D.C. This includes armed robberies and drug dealing. And um, I had my staff at Breitbart News look into this guy, Alvin Bragg, and I said, hey, is this guy connected to George Soros who's been funding all these DA races, um, which a lot of them are elected, almost all of them are, and if you have people who are bankrolling them to level George Soros can, then you tend to win just the nature of the beast. That um, these are these are very uh, poorly funded races politically. And we looked into it, and of course he was linked to Soros. So George Soros is a guy, he, uh, not American. I mean, maybe he's American now, technically, but he's not really American. Sorry, he's not. It's a, he, the, the guy goes against the country in uh, every way he possibly can. And he is a, uh, uh, and if he's technically American, it's only via immigration and he's a citizen of the world. And he comes in, he funds all these races and he gets all these people who want jailbreaks. And then you see how's crime going in New York. How is it going in New York? Not great, last I checked. And the solution is, let's not put anyone in jail other than uh, murderers only. Everyone else, you're out. The exact opposite of what worked for Rudy Giuliani when he was doing the broken windows policing. You jump a turnstile, you go to jail. And now we've got no incarceration except for homicide. That is just a friendly reminder of how bad some of our cities are getting. I just have no desire to be in any of them. Um, New York is just... Case in point, is a number one, a place where I would go and I'd go for work. I'd go maybe 10 times a year. I'd be excited about going. And I have not been in almost two years and I have no desire to go back. None. Not even for a minute. Uh, Why would you? He's sending a signal that you're good to break into stores and loot and they're not going to prosecute you unless you kill someone in the process. How could that possibly be good for crime, oh, wait a minute, they don't care. Even the DAs don't care. They like an America that eats itself alive. The left does like that because they're looking to replace this country. Um, those of you who want a bigger explanation of that, I recommend you listen to yesterday's show and check out my interview with James Lindsay, uh, not, not a man of the right, who breaks all this down in his research into critical race theory, etc. So some other parts of the country are not going quite as insane as New York. A Chicago alderman named Shell Smith says she wants her constituents to wear whistles, which they can blow while running towards armed robbers should they witness a crime taking place. Now, this is sad that this is necessary, but there is people who are out there going, okay, we have to put a stop to the violence any way we can. It's basically a warlike scenario in certain corners of the country. Georgia authorities have initiated a probe into possible illegal ballot harvesting in the 2020 election. Uh, I like this. I wrote a fair bit about this in my book, Breaking the News. Again, uh, another recommendation for that. But I do like the idea that um, there is an investigation into the ballot harvesting there because Stacey Abrams, who's behind all of it, is going to run for governor and then president after that at some point if she wins. January 6th committee wants to hear from Sean Hannity. Again, this is all part of an effort to harass anyone who's connected to Donald Trump. It is if you're friends with Donald Trump, if you dinner with Donald Trump, if you uh, gave him a high five at a rally, they, they, they will investigate you if they can. This is all part of they want a penalty. Um, Adam Pencilneck Schiff is the face of this, as well as MSNBC and NBC Comcast Universal. They're all behind this. 
Um, but they, they consider Hannity a Trump advisor. He's a cable news host and talk radio host. But they consider him an advisor because they want anyone who they can rope into this to make them feel the pain for helping Donald Trump. It is purely about revenge. They want revenge because they hated Trump so much. And Trump made them look so bad on so many occasions. So all that's come. Uh, January 6th is tomorrow, obviously. And we'll hear some, I'm sure, some really, really uh, awful speeches. We'll have those for you on the show later in the week. Um, Larry Elder, who is a longtime friend of mine and friend of Breitbart News, he said he won't run for governor again in California. California is going to have a governor race. Is it this year or next year? I think it's this year. Yeah. Uh, and so he's not going to run again. Um, but he is creating a pro-Republican super PAC, which is good. He's got a lot of clout out there. But California is somewhat lost. And I do think that this is a sad sign that I think he, you know, America's given up on California in a lot of ways. But I will note that he did announce that he has a big pack uh, that I'm sure will do a lot of good. I just it's going to be such a big process out in places like California, which have been overrun by Silicon Valley and they've been overrun by the left. Uh, it was very depressing for me as a native Californian to watch that recall go down because the, the elder was a perfect candidate, really was and better than California deserved. And they still went with Gavin Newsom with his perfect helmet of hair and his totalitarianism. Did you know that there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? It's AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most important conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. So stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. So join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Our guest today, Dr. A.W.R. Hawkins, a regular on our live show and a longtime reporter at Breitbart News, also really good on Instagram. I, I don't plug the socials all that much because I, I don't use them, um, but I have checked out his Instagram in the past, and it, it's quite good. There's a lot of reviews of guns and a lot of cool footage of him shooting guns, and but he's reporting at Breitbart is on crime and gun rights and gun laws. And uh, it always can't miss. And so he and I get into the state of the gun control debate right now, which is mostly all focused on these crime waves happening in our Democrat-run cities. Let's roll it. Dr. Hawkins, we've had to task you lately with a lot of crime coverage because it's just overwhelming. Homicides at a 15-year high in Los Angeles. Um, I'm shocked it's only 15 years um, Philadelphia is a uh, uh, is likely when the data comes in will have a homicide record for 2021. Um, Baltimore 337 murders in 2021. Uh, 2021 the deadliest year in a quarter century in Chicago. I mean, is there a city, Doctor Rockins, that is not experiencing some sort of a massive crime wave at the moment? That that question I uh, can't answer, but I can tell you there are 12 Democrat-run cities that shattered their homicide annual homicide records in 2021 and um yeah philadelphia as you say you know they 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 put up 562 homicides and as you say that may adjust a little bit but at this point that's that's it that's their record and uh you know in baltimore as you mentioned 337 homicides i think the important thing to put alongside that news is this is the seventh consecutive year of 300 plus homicides in that city uh, and i think in chicago something that's important it is the deadliest year in a quarter century 2021 was the deadliest the police the chicago police reported end of year total 797 homicides 
But if you look at medical examiner's numbers in Cook County, the Chicago Sun-Times points out the number is 836. And so the truth's going to lie somewhere between those two figures, over 800. And uh, But even at 797, it's the deadliest uh, year in a quarter of a century. So it's, it's something that Democrats have in common, that cities run by Democrats now have in common, is an unbelievable amount of gun violence. Unbelievable. So are you seeing any sort of backlash politically? Because, you know, we had the big story in um, uh, at Breitbart recently where people in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills are, you know, getting as many guns as they can get their hands on. Um, it, it feels like maybe, maybe there's a chance that there. this is having some sort of a, uh, people are starting to get the picture that uh, you can't just trust law enforcement to deal with all this, uh, uh, all this crime and you need to be able to arm yourself. Is there anything, is there, are there any silver linings here? Well, I think you're right. I think people are arming themselves. Uh, you look at Harris County, we covered in Harris County, Alex, uh, uh, I believe they had 407 capital murder charges between September 2016 and September 2021. So 407 people charged with capital murder. 113 of those were released on bond. 113 capital murder suspects were put back on the street in Harris County, Texas. And one of the results is over 150 people were killed. Innocents were killed. And if you read read or watch interviews with Texans in that area, you'll see people who perhaps hadn't owned a gun before, weren't necessarily anti-gun, but hadn't owned a gun, certainly hadn't carried a gun. And guess what they're doing now? They not only own that gun, but they carry that gun. And so at the level where the rubber meets the road, where the people live, the people are arming themselves for self-defense because they understand these Democrat-run cities are dangerous. Yeah, I think they do understand it, but again, I just don't see any any uh, political pushback. I think individually, I think people get it, but unfortunately, I just don't see any evidence that there's going to be any change in the politics of any of these cities. I mean, it's um, do you have anything you have your eye on, uh, Doctor Hawkins, that might potentially break that mold? No, I don't. Uh, I'm like you. It's very, it's sad. It's almost fatalistic, but it's you. When you look at these cities, they have a machine in place, and the the Democrats running are going to continue to have the votes they need to get elected, and the people who are killing each other are not really consequential to that plan, and so there's no real action to change that. And at the same time, there's no outgrowth from that to affect who's being elected. That's what I see when I watch this, because it's amazing when you see the ineptitude of let's say uh, a mayor Lightfoot in Chicago. I mean, she she can't do anything. She finally gave in. We covered it at Breitbart was a couple of months ago. She finally gave in and asked the ATF, please come in and help me. Please come help me. I can't do it. But you know, it's almost now. It's like, well, now it's a little late because this this is already so out of control. Uh, but yeah, I'm like you. I don't really see any political response that's going to be effective. Uh, not that there can't be. But I don't see it now. Um, are you surprised that this is kind of where the news has gone? I mean, typically, so often it's about you know court cases or the the state of the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment in flux. It seems like even with both houses of Congress and the presidency, the Democrats don't have gun control on the table, and uh, it just seems like your focus so far, or at least for many months now, Doctor Hawkins has just been keeping an eye on uh, all of the gun sales and all of the crime. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, gun control, There, something happened, uh, Alex, is, is you look even early on in the first year of Biden's presidency when, you know, they were telling us how universal background checks would save us. And then in Colorado, where they have universal background checks, there was the shooting at the uh, grocery yeah. store that killed 10 people. And so what happens is all the Democrats promises undercut themselves. And it brings us to this point where people have that they have that inner drive. It's natural to have it. It's by nature to self-preservation that our founders talked about. And so everybody's focus changed and including in Congress. So you 
Biden can't get any support for gun control, period. He won't get any gun control in 2022 unless it's executive gun control. Just right. not going to happen. So nothing nothing you just said shocks me. Uh, now, I was nervous when this first started, so I, I was happily surprised that now we're in a place where, well, we don't need to worry about gun control. But uh, I think it, we don't want to set – we don't want to sit back and relax too much. In November of this year, we want to put people who are strong pro 2A proponents in office and get rid of pro gun control people. I think we want to do that with our vote, but uh, I don't think we need to fear gun control in the meantime. Uh, a Chicago alderman wants people to blow the whistle and <laughs> run at, at, at I'm not, not blow the whistle, blow whistle literally and run at armed robbers. I, it's, I, I, I don't hate this, Dr. Hawkins. It's not it's it's goofy. It's silly. But I admit I don't hate it because you got to do something and the government's not going to step in. So what do you make of this one? I mean, if you do that, then you're just the next person they shoot. That's what I fear. That doesn't mean I'm right, but it's what I fear. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you remember. We covered it Breitbart a few years ago. Uh, teachers were keep were being encouraged to keep cans of corn in their room. So if attackers yeah. came in, they could throw cans of – this is along those lines. And it's like, you know what, Let's. these things are all being presented as substitutes for freedom because in freedom, which our founders outlined, in a true free schema – the people are armed to defend themselves. So I just think, you know, let's not let's not shoot for lesser goals. Let's not shoot for whistles and flags and running and everything else. Let's shoot for lowering the cost of getting a concealed carry permit, for lowering the cost of buying a gun if it's designated for self-defense. Yeah. Let's do those things and get a real response in the hands of the people. So my, my point is, of course, obviously, I'd rather people just have be armed and be able to use their arms if they're in a violent situation someone else starts but i i do want your your thoughts dr hawkins on whether or not there is maybe some people on the left who are starting to at least acknowledge that this is a problem because you know if you put on local news in uh, some of these major cities they don't act like anything bad is happening they act like you know the the big problem um in society right now is that there are enough solar panels right well i think you know we've covered in chicago there's prior to this whistle program uh that's being uh brought back up by alderman smith uh prior to that they had the safe gas station program and that's a paraphrase i can't remember the exact name of it but they would designate certain gas stations where they were putting guards so you could go get gas without fear of being carjacked or shot and so there are aldermen who recognize there's a problem, but the problem is they don't deal with the problem, Alex. Yeah, They don't sure. deal with the problem. They, they come up with these little Band-Aids, and it, we can't do Band-Aids anymore. We've got to do a big fix. We've got to get to the heart of it. We've got to quit treating symptoms. We've yeah. got to treat the disease, and that's not happening. No, it's clearly not happening, um, and I guess the— um... I guess I guess maybe maybe I just I'm grading I'm way too much of a curve if I'm if I am showing any sympathy to the whistle program so maybe maybe that's my bad well, I, I, I I don't know it's just so bleak in these places Doctor Hawkins I know that it's just so it's just so bleak for uh, any help uh, any hope that there will be even acknowledgement that what's happening in our cities is unacceptable by the uh, Democrats that run all of them well if you look here here's something that's very telling Alex if you look at Chicago. Where all this crime's happening, it's happening in certain police dis- districts or precincts, and it's happening at huge levels. But in other ones, in others, in the more well-to-do areas, it, so, certain crimes have actually gone down. And so you have, for lack of a better phrase, you have a segregation. You have a segregation that is politically imposed that keeps. The people in power and those that vote for them it keeps them from feeling any of this because actually in their areas where they live and breathe and move about, crime is going down. But in the segregated area where the poor and particularly the poor black Americans live in Chicago, uh, you know, it's just a killing field. But no one else feels it, so they don't worry about it. And that's what people have to understand. That's how – could you look at these cities and you go, how can this happen – the first 16 days of 2021, we covered in South L.A., shooting victims were up 742 percent. 
shooting victims up 742% during the first 16 days of 2021 in South L.A. You think, how can that happen in Los Angeles and no one feels it? Well, because it only happens in a certain area in Los Angeles. It doesn't happen where the, the clean and shiny people live who are always on TV, who are always talking about this and that. It doesn't happen where they live. And so that's what we have to see. Just like you see in Chicago, in these other cities, you'll see this segregation, too. It's a segregation in crime. And that's why it's hard to get any traction in fixing it. Uh, Dr. Hawkins, I want to ask you about this DA in New York who is uh, connected to George Soros, as so many of these DAs are, who now only wants to put murderers basically in jail. Everyone else is basically get out of prison. Uh, what is? What do you think is going to happen um, if, to the city if really if you don't kill someone, you don't get incarcerated? Well, I mean, you know what's going to happen. It's going to get crazy, and uh, you're going to get levels of crime that probably New York City uh, never anticipated they would see. That would be my gut feeling because when when there is no penalty, uh, you already see that. As a matter of fact, in Chicago, I mean, I hate to keep going back there, but it's just such the example. That is given by people who are honest and who are in that city and who are in leadership in upper levels. When they're in an honest mood, they'll say, you know what, we don't have prosecution here. If people commit crime here, they know they'll be back out on the street. They, they don't fear being caught. They know it's not permanent. They'll say things like that on and on and on. Well, what we're going to see is those kinds of things will begin to be said in New York City. And what that does is it lets New York City, it will let, excuse me, New York City start to give uh, other cities a run for their money on homicide levels, on violence, and this and that. Uh, you have to punish crime. You have to, and you have to punish it forcefully. Not only to punish the guilty, but also to send a message to those who are thinking about doing it. You do not do that here. And New York City is going the completely opposite way. Dr. E.W.R. Hawkins, he's our resident gun expert at Riper News. I think the most important gun rights reporter in the world. Uh, he's at Dr. Uh, he's at A.W.R. underscore Hawkins on Instagram. He's got a great Instagram. And he's got a, a newsletter called Downrange that you can get. Go to brightbird.com slash downrange for that. Thanks, Doc. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Alex. Also on the live show today, we spoke to Sherry Walker, who uh, runs a important group that's been pushing back against vaccine mandates amongst uh, airline employees and particular commercial airline pilots who have been you know, the subject of a lot of the focus um, ever since the United Airlines CEO, Scott Kirby, issued a mandate for all United Airlines employees to get the vaccine by the end of last September. And her group, uh, Airlines Employees for Health Freedom, uh, which was founded in August of last year, has done a lot of important stuff. And we've highlighted them and her contributions to the discourse at Breitbart.com. So we spoke to her in the live show today and we had some callers calling in to opine on it. And our caller of the day, identified himself as a United Airlines pilot, and I think added a little bit to the scope of the conversation. Let's play it. One of the things is a complete hypocrisy because we allow pilots from other airlines to fly in the cockpit in our jump seat, uh, whether they're commuting to or from work. And uh, under the current rules, pilots from other airlines that are not vaccinated are still allowed to fly in our jump seats. So... Uh, there's no safety there. That's that's complete hypocrisy. So since they're not stopping those guys from flying unvaccinated in the cockpit with uh, vaccinated pilots. Um, yeah, we, we covered this at, at Breitbart, which is really, truly amazing that uh, United Airlines in particular is uh, allowing people who are conceivably unvaccinated. They're not they're not really checking. For example, like a London flight attendants are on some United planes and they don't necessarily have to be vaccinated. It, it is a remarkable piece of hypocrisy. But again, Scott, hypocrisy is not really the is not a motivating factor to stop some of this stuff. If it was, then, you know, we'd have uh, we'd have we'd have freed the whole world from all this stuff when Gavin Newsom got caught the French laundry with no mask exceeding uh, breaking every single coronavirus rule he had. Like it's the we would have stopped. We all would have just allowed people to do what they want to do. So uh, obviously there's more to it than that. Uh, absolutely. And the other the other point is also that um, 
uh, as pilots for the airline, if you're going to do any type of flying outside of your work flying, you actually have to get permission for that. So all these pilots that are um, are being kept home, uh, technically they're being they're like furloughed. Uh, the airline is enforcing a non-compete clause, so they're not allowed to go and find work other somewhere else while they're waiting out uh, the results of the, the legal issues. So, and the Air United is actually enforcing that. So these pilots have lost, uh, effectively lost their uh, uh, their source of income. They can't just go somewhere else uh, sure. under threat of being actually fired. So um, in this type of situation where they're being kept home unpaid, Normally, you'll go somewhere else to fly, whether it's a corporate or, or maybe another airline, and United is actually enforcing that you're not allowed to fly anywhere, otherwise we'll fire you. I mean, not to mention, Scott, that this is not something that, as I noted in the interview, it's not something you can train to become a commercial airline pilot overnight. Um, the skills are almost entirely non-transferable to other areas in society. I mean, it's the... If, if if for whatever reason, uh, for example, like in my line of work, if for whatever reason, um, you know, they made talk radio house and, a, a, you know, a, a, a news site editors uh, had to abide by something I'm not willing to abide by. I, I could become some sort of a political consultant or I could go into corporate communications. I mean, there's other things I could do. If you're a commercial airline pilot, you train your whole life for one specific thing and then you're told overnight you can't do it. I mean, you're completely left holding the bag here. Right. And just for a little bit of clarification, um, as an airline pilot, it's not like other unions where you can go from company to company and just pick up where you left off. If right. I were to leave United, if I go to American or Delta or Southwest, I start as a new hire from zero, which means that I would take a tremendous loss of pay and I would lose a tremendous amount of yeah. seniority. So it'd be basically like competing with a, a guy who just got all their ratings. Yeah, a really important point. So, Scott, do you have any hope that uh, this gets itself sorted out, or do you think that we're just gonna uh, people are just gonna get beaten into submission over this uh, uh, vaccine? I think long term uh, it'll sort out because I think one by one people are slowly getting. I think because the the government is becoming so outrageous with their demands, I think they're slowly you're going to be picking up people who are for it, and we'll see. Um, points where we're uh, that make no sense and our hypocrisy and they'll get tired of that hypocrisy and i think it's going to start with the younger generations too when they're seeing how it's affecting the youth um i just saw a report that said that i think it was the cdc said it's going to take 10 years for these kids to recover from the psychological effects of, of being masked all day uh, in school so when stuff like that starts getting out uh, and people start recognizing the damage that they're causing long term. I think eventually it'll turn around, but as long as we have um, people that are, are more social engineers running yeah. these major corporations, um, you're gonna you're gonna be dealing with this until people get those guys out. I got American all right, that's all for today. Thanks to producers Haley and Greg Eben for making the show possible, as well as Robert Marlowe, who helps me select topics. And thanks to all of you for spreading the good news about the Breitbart News Daily Podcast, recommending it to friends and family members, uh, maybe text messaging a favorite episode or a recommendation or a link to something. All that is very helpful and helps us grow uh, one subscriber at a time. That's all we ask. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you tomorrow for another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. 